Well, Merry Christmas, you all. What an amazing season that is upon us. Thank you, team, for everything you've done, for the creative team, for sharing the story of Jesus with us online through the mouth of children, for our creative people that have shared their artistic gifts for us on stage this morning. Thank you. All of that, not to go away thinking, wow, what an amazing group of people, but what an amazing king that we get to serve. And this Christmas season being the one where we celebrate his coming to earth on behalf, his great love for us, leaving the comforts of heaven, like we've already said, to live and walk among us. Emmanuel, God is here now. He's with us in this present moment. Christmas is a very interesting season, isn't it? It's one that brings great beauty. It brings togetherness. It brings lots of emotions, some of which we've already felt this morning. And sometimes we still wonder what's missing. What's next? And no matter what we purchase for ourselves or for others, it never fully seems to fill that longing, does it? That longing is even magnified when we see the commercialized component of Christmas, complete with the naughty and nice list, which my wife asked me on the way here this morning if I was on one of those two, long lines of consumers fighting over the last hot new gift of the Christmas season, or even sitting across the dinner table from that family member who you still have hard feelings towards because of that thing they did or said to you last year. But instead of getting swept up with our modern culture's version of Christmas, I wonder how our holidays would be different if we decided to take a different approach. Today, we're going to step back in time and look at Christmas through the ancient tradition of a practice called Advent. Advent is a month-long practice leading up to the day that was chosen to celebrate the birth of our Savior. December 25th. And the practice of Advent dates back as early as the 4th century after the birth of Jesus. This word, Advent, is translated as a coming into place or arrival. It's an ancient practice where five candles are lit, one per week for the month or so leading up to Christmas Day, and followers of what was then known as the way, that way being the practice of Jesus, the teachings of Jesus. They were apprentices of Jesus. They would... Uh, they would light a candle each week leading up to this celebration. And for those adults who embodied the spirit of Advent during the month leading up to Christmas Day, the same joy and excitement that would be felt when a child was waking up to a Christmas tree full of presents would be felt by those practicing this Advent. So much joy and anticipation about this life, this world-changing event that took place in that stable or a barn, as Brecken said earlier, Breck's in his, in his video, uh, which by the way, I almost didn't say it, but I had to say it, it's so cute. When they were shooting this video, when the boy that kind of led their narration, his name's Milo, he made a comment that the little drummer boy was there at the birth of Jesus. 
And uh, we, a lot of people said, oh, that's so cute, Milo, that you said that. And he found out that the little drummer boy was not at the birth of Jesus. And he demanded that that part be taken out of the video. And so they said, oh, Milo, it's okay. It's really cute in that video. And he said, I didn't do that so that it, I would be cute. I did that video so that I could tell the truth about Jesus. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? I had to say that. I almost didn't. So Milo, if you're watching, he's got a sick little brother in the hospital today. But if you're watching from the hospital, Milo, thank you for telling us the truth about Jesus. It was really beautiful. Thank you. So in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22, we have a bit of a framework for the practice of Advent. Galatians 5, 22. You've heard this verse before Paul was writing to the, the church at Galatia. This way he said, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness. Those are fruits of the Spirit. Was a fruit of the Spirit? Those are things that follow a life lived for Jesus. These are things that should follow. So what Advent does, it's very interesting, this ancient church tradition. What they did was they took the first four fruits of the Spirit, and reverse them. That's the story of Advent. So the first candle is a symbolically represented hope. And so a candle would be lit to represent hope. In Matthew 1, starting in verse 22, we read... Of this hope. And this early church celebrated a mutual hope in the anticipation of this coming Messiah. Starting in verse 22. All of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Now, this happened in the New Testament when this was being written, but what was being referred to was by the prophet of the Old Testament. So years and years before this is what was spoken. Look at verse 23. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. So like they said earlier during our worship time together, there was a long period of waiting. Waiting for what? They were waiting on a coming Messiah, a coming king, a king who would uh, free the people. Now they were looking for a man that was uh, a head taller than anyone else, someone that would reign with power and might and strength. But God had other plans. They would call his name Emmanuel, meaning God with us. God's plan was to send this hope in the birth of the most fragile thing, a baby. What a beautiful picture of hope, by the way. For those of you who are parents in the room, do you remember what that was like to hold that baby for the first time? When that child entered the world, you just brimming with hope. I wonder what he will be when he grows up. I wonder what she will be like. I wonder what things they will do. I wonder who they'll grow up and marry. I wonder what profession they will take. I wonder what kind of jokes they'll tell. There's so much anticipation that comes with the birth of a child. They were celebrating hope. 
These early worshipers of God placed their hope in what was to come, which was a promised Messiah who was coming from God to bring the message of the good news of salvation to the people. And today, we anticipate the second coming of our victorious King. Their cry for then was the same cry as ours today, Lord, come. We believe in the second coming of this Messiah We believe that Jesus is going to come back and continue to make all things new and to take his children with him to live in paradise forever. We believe that. And so we anticipate with hope that coming of the Messiah. The beautiful thing is we get to look back on a first coming, unlike this early group of people who were just wishful that this promise that the prophets made would come true one day. On this day, we remember to look hopefully for the coming of Christ because hope has the power to change lives, doesn't it? Hope is a powerful tool. It has the power to change what we value because this hope is established in the character of something or someone else and not ourselves. We're placing our hope not in us, but in God, a character that never changes, never wanes. And if you haven't done so already, I pray that today in this Christmas season, as you hear the good news of this coming King, that you will make the decision to place your hope in that same Christ. The second candle that has been lit as the church have engaged in this practice of Advent, represents peace. It's peace. In Isaiah 26 and verse 3, the prophet says, You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is focused on you because he trusts in you. I want us to take this verse and make it personal. With our own names in it, God keep me in perfect peace. As my mind focuses on you and trusts you. You see, our inner peace, the peace that we all long for, hinges on our trust in God. Our peace hinges on our trust in God. So this candle not only represents peace with God, but it also represents peace with others. Matthew 5 and 9 says, Blessed are the what? peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. God wants for us to create peace in the lives of others. And God has a peaceful dream for the world. And we dream of it too, don't we? We dream of a peaceful world full of wolves and leopards and lions eating and sleeping and dancing with lambs, kids, and calves. We dream of a peaceful world where different nations would come together and make war a distant memory, where we would eat at one table in peace together in harmony. And God dreams of that too. And so today, I want you to 
speak on this piece with me. We're going to have a bit of a liturgical bent to this part of our sermon, and we're going to put some words on screen, and we're going to say these aloud together, okay? Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is discord, union. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. O divine master, grant that I may not so seek, seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Thank you. On this day, may we remember the Lord of all, who brings peace surpassing all understanding. The third candle that we will light today <laughs> represents joy. There we go. Luke 2, starting in verse 10, speaks of this joy. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. And he is Christ the Lord. And so far we've lit the candle of hope, remembering the hope which comes in Christ. And we've lit the candle of peace, remembering God's dream of a peaceful world. And now we light the third candle of Advent, the candle of joy. In Advent, we recognize that we are in a time of waiting like the Israelites who wandered through the wilderness, waiting to come into the, present, the presence of the promised land, we wait for the coming of the joy for the ages. We wait for the day when we can join our voices with that of the angels and sing, Joy to the world, the Lord is come. We wait for the day when everlasting joy will be on each of us. So I want us to pray together with our focus on that joy. Would you bow your heads with me? Father in heaven, thank you for the gift of your son Jesus, who came to be the Savior for everyone who trusts in him. Help us to remember that Jesus came to save us and to help us to share the great joy of this good news with one another. Amen. Great joy of good news. Stay tuned, because next week we're going to talk more about that great joy. Yesterday, 
my family took a Sabbath. It was a, it's a practice that, um, to be frank, we've never attempted before. Uh, we decided on Friday night, actually we decided early in the week, that on Friday night, uh, at the close of the evening, we would turn our devices, all of our devices off, and we would put them in a uh, place away from it so we wouldn't be tempted to pick them up. Uh, by the way, the average smartphone user touches their phone now over 2,600 times per day, okay? Uh, so we decided that we were not going to touch our phones. We weren't going to touch our devices, and we planned ahead of time to have all of our meals prepared. And so from the time we woke up to the time we went to bed yesterday, we didn't leave our house. Uh, we didn't get on our devices. We didn't talk to anyone other than one another. And I just want to tell you, it was the most incredible day. About halfway through the day, something inside of me changed. I felt it. It was almost tangible. I went from this hurried spirit of rush and anxiety about what was to come and what needed to be done to this exhale where I was able to just be in the present moment with those around me. We, play, we played games and we laughed and I rolled a dice and it once landed in my daughter's soup and it was just an amazing day. We had so much fun. We ate and ate and ate and ate and ate and more sugar than any American should probably ever eat in a day. And it was just wonderful. And I can truly tell you that we experienced joy. But at the, uh, after dinner, we watched a movie. And we decided to watch It's a Wonderful Life together. If you've never seen this movie... Uh, I'm good. Spoiler alert, it's coming. The movie's nearly 100 years old, so you should have just watched it by now. But if you have, and I'm hoping that most of you have, if not, it's certainly your homework assignment before next week. But I want to tell you about a scene near the end of the film. George Bailey's uncle, he's the main character, the uncle works at the bank with him. He has a deposit envelope with $8,000 in it, and he's on his way to the bank. And he's so distraught by the effect of this careless uh, moment where he's just kind of bubbling around that he loses the money. He, and, and so uh, George goes home and he's so angry that he raises his voice with his family. He yells at his kids. He ends up getting into the car, going to a bar, and uh, then wrecking the car and walking to a local bridge where he is getting ready to take his own life because in the movie he says he's worth more dead than he is alive. Well, it's in that scene that uh, there's an angel there. I'm, don't get into theology with me. That's not what this is about. And the angel is with him, and the angel drop, jumps in because he knows George is going to save him. And so he's trying to help George get a clear view of his life. And so what happens is the angel steps back into the town with him, but this time the town is as if he's never been born. So the town has a different name. It's more of a slum because George had done some good. And so he sees uh, those he loves, they don't recognize him, uh, and he's distraught. Uh, they're in difficult circumstances, and he would do anything to get back his life. And despite difficult circumstances, he is, right in the middle of this, given the opportunity to get back his life. 
And so if you've seen the movie, you remember this scene. He goes back into the street and he's literally running into the town through the snow, right? He's grabbing his taxi driver and he's so excited to see him. No, no circumstances has changed. He's still out a lot of money and uh, he just yelled at his kids. But he's running and he's seeing life with new eyes. And he's so happy, he runs in his home and there are lights on and he appreciates the lights and he sees his kids and he wraps them up and he hugs his kids and he just kisses them and he can't quit quit kissing them and his wife comes in and he's so happy to see his wife even though all these terrible things have gone on in his life, he's experiencing a brand new fresh joy because he got a second chance at life. He was still alive. And although just previously things were, had been terrible and he had done all of these bad things, he got a second chance and he was so excited in these moments. He experienced true joy. And you and I, we have our lives filled with blessings that we take for granted. And the birth of this coming king gives us a moment in time, a moment in our schedule to slow down and to recognize these blessings. And even though these blessings of life alone are a reason or would be a reason to be joyful, Jesus has given us an even greater gift simply by remembering that the Savior of the universe, this baby called Emmanuel, that God is with us, is with us in our everyday lives, regardless of our circumstances. His presence is our joy. And His grace brings even more reasons to be joyful. So in this moment, let's remember the Spirit who breathes joy into our life. The fourth candle Is love. First John chapter four and verse eighteen. There is no fear in love, for perfect love casts out fear. God created this world in love, and this world will end in the love of God. God's love pervades all aspects of this life. From birth to death, pain to delight, strangers to lovers, God's love is everywhere. And so this candle represents love. And on this day, we remember God is love. What does it mean that God is love? Maybe a trip back to your childhood memory verse would do us service at this point. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave us His only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. God is love. The very act of Jesus and com coming and dying for us is the manifestation of His love for our lives. Jesus loved us so much that he gave. And next week, we'll be lighting this fifth candle. 
as well as lighting a candle for each of us as we carry this love into a very broken world. This Christmas, let's receive the love of the Father right smack dab in the midst of a potentially hectic and busy and distracted time of year. Let's take rest in the hope, peace, joy, and love that the birth of Jesus brings into our lives. As we prepare to close with another song, I want to invite you to pray with me this morning. But I want us to pray out of a place of rest, not a place of worry, not a place of anxiety, but a place of rest, knowing Emmanuel, God is here. Regardless of your circumstance, regardless of your struggle, regardless of your family challenges or your financial challenges, or the difficult things that this week may hold for you, regardless of all of those things, I want us to pray knowing that Emmanuel is here. God with us. And so when we pray out of that place, it changes the atmosphere of our prayer. Because deep down we know, we hope, we believe, that God is near even in this present moment. Father, we come to you with open hands. Let me encourage you, just open your hands right where you are. Open your hands in front of you. We come to you, Father, with open hands. We desperately long to receive the peace, joy, and love that you offer. And today, with open hands, we receive your peace, love, and joy because we have hope. Lord, we don't hope in an empty way. Lord, we hope knowing that you have already came once. We have a historical narrative of the life that you lived. Many died unwilling to denounce your life. And so we don't hope in an empty way, Lord. We hope knowing and believing because we have experienced you in our lives. We've experienced you in the cry of a baby. We've experienced you, Lord, when you provided at a time in our life where we thought all hope was lost. We have all experienced you personally, Lord. We have this, this epignosis, this knowledge based on experience today. And that's why we hope. 
Lord, we receive what you have for us today. Now, God, I know that there are many in this room who are in very difficult circumstances. And so, God, I pray that as we hope, you would surround them. Surround them with your love. Surround them with your people who would point to your love, who would remind us of your love, who would remind us of your presence. Lord, surround us as we've already prayed this morning. Lord, fill this place this morning. Surround us with your presence, Lord. Wrap your arms. There, there are people in here, God, I know that just need to feel your arms wrapped around today. They feel lonely and scared. Maybe even some watching online, Lord, that feel alone. Lord, would you just find them in that place and just surround them with your love. Remind them that you are here. And Lord, that I, I pray that as we believe these truths, that we would be able to walk forward beginning today knowing that you are walking hand in hand with us regardless of our circumstance. We thank you, Jesus, for loving us, for knowing us, for calling us your own. And we anticipate your second coming. We rejoice today because we have hope. We know you'll make all things new. You'll fulfill those dreams that you have for us. You'll fulfill the peace that was taken in the garden from this world. You will fully satisfy that. And we pray this in the precious, holy name of Jesus. Amen.